this is an intense passage of scripture. And so um, I know this is an intense sermon. I can share with you that it was intense preparing this sermon. And it's going to be intense to deliver it today. There is good news in this passage and associated with this passage. And we're going to find some of it today. But there's some, some blunt instruction and some blunt analysis of the, the fallen sinful condition of humankind without salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. So, how to live in the last days. John Nesbitt wrote a book in 1982 titled Megatrends. That bestseller listed 10 uh, cultural things we could expect as we entered the 21st century. We're 20 years into the 21st century now. Nearly 40 years later, Nesbitt has been proven to be amazingly accurate. For example, Nesbitt predicted that we'd move from an industrial society to an informational society. Instead of a national economy, it'd be a global economy. And instead of getting help from institutions, we'd be the first generation to rely on self-help. He also wrote about changes and challenges the Christian world would face. Mainline denominations would shrink. Bible-believing churches would flourish. And megachurches would become popular, but eventually people would return to smaller congregations, to their roots, because people need care. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul predicts the spiritual trends that will pervade the world's culture in the last days. There will be a period of moral collapse that will precede the Lord's second coming. The trouble won't be only from outside. Instead, trouble also will arise from inside the church. Paul writes, there will be terrible times in the last days. And that phrase, the last days, is from the Greek word eskatos, meaning last, farthest, final, end. It refers to the time between the ascension of Jesus Christ back into heaven and after his resurrection and the second coming of Christ when he comes again. Now, today, at Pentecost, the day God poured his Holy Spirit out on his people and the Christian church was founded by God. Peter quoted from Joel chapter 2, In the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all people. And in fulfillment of that prophecy spoken through this prophet, this man Joel, God poured out his Spirit at Pentecost and the church was founded. We remember that great event today. The New Testament book of Hebrews begins like this. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And I want to stop here for a few minutes and make an application of these words to our context here at Desert Hills Community Church in southern Idaho. God raised up prophets to reveal his truth in the past. That is a completed past action that is not now occurring. And by not now occurring, I mean since Jesus Christ has ascended back into heaven. That is not 
now occurring. That used to happen, but no longer happens since Jesus Christ has come. Now, verse 2 begins with the word but. Three little letters, B-U-T. But is a word of negation. It, it, it contradicts, not like throwing aside, but sharing a separate thought now, going forward, from what came before. In the past, now no longer. God used to, but doesn't now speak new truth through a prophet. In these last days, it says in Scripture, He, God, has spoken to us by His Son. He has spoken to us by His Son. Has spoken is the verb tense known as the present perfect tense. The present perfect tense is a completed past action that continues to have an effect and apply to the present time and to the future. God has spoken to us completely. God the Son, Jesus Christ, lived among us, totally sinless. We have seen God because Jesus Christ is God. He went to the cross. We saw Him there. He rose from the dead on the third day. We saw Him alive after the resurrection. We saw Him ascend back into heaven. We have tens of thousands of partial and full ancient manuscripts of the original New Testament texts. The variances between these texts, these manuscripts, is less than 1%. And those variances are things like some manuscripts have a word the at a certain location, and another manuscript doesn't have the word the at that specific location. Okay? No biblical truth is in question. For over 1,900 years, researchers, both inside and outside the faith, have had direct access to these manuscripts and confirm that they say what we believe they say. We know that our translations into modern languages accurately translate the original languages. All scripture is God-breathed, and we know what God is saying to us. God has spoken to us by His Son. In the last chapter of the last book of Holy Scripture ever written, the book of the Revelation, chapter 22, Jesus Christ Himself, not some other person as a prophet, Jesus Christ Himself speaks to the Apostle John, who, inspired by the Holy Spirit, records His words, and we have them today. Because we are living in the last days, because we have heard from God Himself, because speaking through another prophet is now obsolete, John warns us, Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 and 19. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of the scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share 
in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this scroll. We live in a community with family and loved ones and friends and co-workers who believe God has spoken more recently than this through another prophet. Say what you will, but you cannot believe the Bible and say you believe in these other writings that directly, irreconcilably, irreconcilably contradict the Bible. While the original Bible manuscripts are and always have been available for independent, direct inspection and research, the original manuscripts of those around us who claim to follow some other so-called prophet, those their manuscripts have been locked away for decades now. You know why? Because when they were independently inspected, the true translation from the original languages didn't agree at all with what this so-called prophets and his so-called followers have stated it says. I'm not sure Rather than admit this fact, they instead locked them away where they could no longer be directly inspected and independently and accurately translated. Let us love them enough to lead them to the truth, to faith in Jesus Christ, and see them delivered from the consequences described in Revelation chapter 22. Let us love them enough to share faith in Jesus Christ and salvation in his name alone. You don't earn it. You can't earn it. There is no other prophet after Jesus. In these last days, God has spoken to us through his Son. New revelation through a prophet is completely obsolete now. Let us love them enough to lead them to faith in Jesus Christ and that they can be saved and forgiven and included in God's kingdom as we are. So, moving on. The last days began at Pentecost when the church made up of the followers of Jesus Christ received the Holy Spirit and was formed by God. But many also believe that when it says terrible times, that, will, that these terrible times will intensify prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. So in that sense, the last days also refers to this final period of time, not the whole span from Pentecost to second coming of Jesus. But these, these last days, these terrible times. So, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verses 12 through 14, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. You know there's still places in the world where they've never once heard the good news that Jesus saves, never once had scripture read to them or given a copy of the Bible. Um, it's fewer and fewer places every day. We're close to sharing the gospel everywhere. But there are still places like that that exist. Some believe 
um, that right now we're in those last days, those end times, just prior to the Lord's second returns today. And Paul's description of spiritual decay in the New Testament in 2 Timothy chapter 3 seems to confirm that belief. And to me, it seems obvious that, that Paul thought that the second coming of Jesus Christ could be imminent, could be soon, in his day, over 1,900 years ago now. Again, for the umpteenth time, no one knows the timing of Christ's return. Not even Jesus himself. He said only the Father knows. Having said that, I think it's important that we become fully aware of the signs that God has given us so that we're prepared for the Lord's return. Prepared because each day, each one of us can choose, must choose whether or not to live by faith in Jesus Christ in obedience to the Holy Bible, God's Word. There's a fascinating verse in 1 Chronicles chapter 12 about the men of Issachar. Issachar was one of the tribes of men that aided David in overthrowing Saul when David became king of Israel. 1 Chronicles chapter 12 verse 32 in a, a, a list of counting the men who served with David. From Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. We're in a series, sermon series, called Living in the Last Days, and 2 Timothy chapter 3 is the pivotal passage. So please listen carefully to Paul's words. What we need in the last days is the ability to understand the times so that we can live eternally in heaven ourselves and we can lead others to faith in Jesus Christ so they also can live eternally in heaven. Um, world conditions will worsen. Yay! So glad to hear that, right? First, Paul suggests that world conditions would get worse. As I've read from the New Testament this morning, there will be terrible times in the last days. That's the New International Version. The message reads, don't be naive. There are difficult times ahead. And the Living Bible says, in the last days, it is going to be very difficult to be a Christian. By show of hands, who thinks things have gotten worse in 2020? Anybody? How about you at home? I can't see your hand, but you're holding up a hand? Who thinks things have gotten worse in 2020? I chuckle when I say it. Um, I do. We've been consumed with, with this response to the COVID-19 virus. Individually and as a society, we're trying to figure out what to do, what not to do, how to, be, how to take care of ourselves, how to be responsible to our loved ones and our neighbors and those that we have to, to come in close proximity to. We've been consumed with it. And for the last several days, the nation has burned in a violent response to the death while in police custody of Mr. George Floyd. Um, this is a summary of everything I'm going to say about this. There is no excuse. For almost 10 minutes, 
the officer kneeled on his neck. Now, I've never, I've never been a law enforcement officer. I've never had any formal training to be a law enforcement officer. But what I do know is that when you subdue somebody on their stomach, um, as soon as you can, the protocol is to, to handcuff them behind their back to reduce their ability to resist. But you turn them over, you don't leave them on their stomach, period. And to kneel on the side of somebody's neck blocks at least one carotid artery, drastically limiting blood flow. Almost 10 minutes. As a result, Mr. George Floyd died on his stomach, an officer kneeling on his neck. There is no excuse. And after that, arson, assault, looting, those things are never right. And so again, there is no excuse. My mama taught me two wrongs don't make a right. George Floyd had a past. I don't know about you, but I got a past. George Floyd had a past. He, he was in Minnesota, Minneapolis, trying to, to get a new start after having been in jail in Texas. Um, and for some people, it seems that's all they want to know. You know what? I've been in jail a couple times. Twice. Been arrested, been in the holding cell for hours. The system worked through its process. Both times the charges were dropped. And I was never went to court for anything, but I've been arrested a couple times. I've been in handcuffs. I've been in jail a couple times. So um, that kind of tempers how quick I am to judge when someone gets arrested. Um, so he had a past. He was trying to make a new start. You know what else was in George Floyd's past? He had publicly expressed faith in Jesus Christ, declared himself to be a born-again Christian. And there in Texas, where he also spent time in jail, are people, younger males, that he had a very positive influence on and, and encouraged them to mature their faith in Jesus Christ and, and led them in that. That's also part of George Floyd's past. A history of faithful service of Jesus Christ. More than once, as he was dying, George Floyd cried out for his mama. She passed away two years ago but actively dying. He called out for her. 
That is severely wounded battlefield trauma. The last days came for George Floyd. Rest in peace, my brother. Violence against Christians is systemic in some parts of the world today, and it's worsening. Just a couple examples. I could go on and on and on. Just a couple examples. One is Nigeria, where today, on a routine basis, Christians are targeted for murder, rape, torture, and slavery by Islamic terrorists. In communist China today, Christians are routinely arrested, imprisoned, subject to extreme torture, subject to organ harvesting without anesthetic while they're alive, subject to murder or work to death in slave labor camps. Some of those things are getting worse in our world today. And in the morality of our culture, ever watched the movie Gone with the Wind? In 1939, Clark Gable was fined $5,000 because he used a four-letter word. Frankly, by contrast, there was a movie made in 2013 based on the true story of an American military member on a special ops mission. In that movie, the F word was used 140 times. That's just one of the profanities that was used. We tolerate today what would have appalled our grandparents. Evil is increasing just as Paul predicted. The world will not get better in general. And seeing the world through rose-colored glasses and thinking, oh, everything's going to just be okay somehow will not get us through these dark times. So, let's get real. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul lists 19 indicators of the last days. You can relax. We're not covering all 19 in detail today. <laughs> uh, but I, I will summarize and share five trends that reveal we are in the last days. I will only share the first of the five trends today. We'll return to this passage next week. How to Live in the Last Days 2.0 will be next week. We'll, we'll look at the other four trends. This trend, the first trend of five that we're going to look at today, is selfishness. Selfishness. In the last days, selfishness will prevail. Paul wrote to Timothy to say, In the last days, People will be lovers of themselves, 
almost every sin can be traced back to selfishness. When you're selfish, you steal and cheat your neighbor. You desert your spouse and children. You run up credit card debt. And I, I just threw three examples out there. There's a bazillion, right? David confessed in Psalm 119. I want to read you verse 67 and verse 71. David says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I obey your word. It is good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. When you suffer because of disobedience to the holy word of God, it's a good thing to be afflicted by that because it gets your attention and it helps you realize that you need to repent. You need to stop what you've been doing, turn and go the other direction toward obedience to the word by faith in Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. It is good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Meism. Found that word this week. Meism is the biggest idol our culture worships. Paul mentions a threefold, a trinity of misplaced love in this passage. There is love of self, verse 2. There's love of money mentioned in verse 2, and the love of pleasure instead of the love for God, mentioned in verse 4. When you love yourself, you have to promote yourself. It's me. It's about me. I, I decide what truth is. I make the decisions. I'm in charge here. You have to agree with me. You can't turn me. Me, 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 me is the second verse in today's passage, 2 Timothy 3, mentions the words boastful and proud. When it's all about me and I have to promote myself, we can be quick to take credit, all the credit, for all our achievements. Look what I did. Being boastful and proud when promoting self is meism. There's a narrow gate. As we contemplate how to live in the last days, remember what Jesus Christ said in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. So, is it about you? Or is it about Jesus? Is it about whatever you decide is true? Or is it about the truth of God's holy word? Which one is it? I want to encourage you today to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to believe in him, to realize that you are a sinner, and if you are going to be saved, it's going to be by grace, God's unmerited favor, what Jesus has done for you that you can never accomplish for yourself. Come to faith in Christ. Believe in Jesus. And because you believe in Jesus, you follow God's holy word, the Bible. God has spoken to us in the last days through his son, Jesus Christ. Let us respond by faith in 
him and let us be active in sharing faith in Jesus Christ with others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your holy word. God, in many ways these are terrible times. Is Jesus coming back really soon? I don't know. But God, may I, may each one of us, may we together as the body of Christ be ready when he comes. Let us live each and every day in obedience to your holy word by faith in Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for loving us so much that we are completely equipped to bring you glory and honor and praise. And that's our desire today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Love you.